I want you to open your Bibles tonight to two places in the New Testament, Matthew and Mark, Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 5. I'll title this what we've already titled it, The Power of Our Faith. I like that title, The Power of Our Faith. The faith that has been given to us, the faith that comes from Jesus to us. Heavenly faith. That'd be a good title. Heavenly faith. The faith that comes from God. The faith that does wonders exceeding abundantly. The faith that gives you the freedom to ask and you shall receive no matter what it is. God gives you that. There's power in that. There is success in power. And I would like to see everybody in this assembly experience the power of God through faith. Instead of waiting to hear somebody's testimony or read about something that somebody else did or an experience somebody else had, I'd like for everybody to have their own and be able to attribute this success in that testimony to what you believe, that God gave you something very simple to believe and it became profound in what it did. And it just accelerates your growth and your enthusiasm and your willingness to press in. Faith does that. It's amazing how many things that faith does when you just determine to hold on to it and God honors it. Now, these two verses here, Matthew 9 and verse 27, Jesus said in verse 27, And when Jesus departed there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he is coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And as I pointed out before, he didn't stop to deal with them when they cried out. Now, that would have discouraged a lot of people today. But see, these two men, face it, they had no other hope that existed on this earth than him. And they had to be asked in the next verse, do you really believe I can do this? He said, what do you want? He said, that we might receive our sight. And it says here that Jesus said in verse 28, believe ye that I am able to do this? Why do you suppose Jesus asked these men? I mean, they followed him. It wasn't easy to follow a crowd when you're blind. They were blind, of course. And he asked them, what do you want? And they said, that we might see. We want our eyes to be healed. And then he said this. He said, do you believe that I'm able to do that? Now, most any of us would have said today, uh, probably all of us, anybody that attends church or has their name on a church row would say, well, yeah, he could have done it. Because you see, historically, they believe that those things did happen and that he was able to do that, that he had that kind of power. And that he was able to do exceeding abundantly. But if you ask people today, will he do that for you? And they'll say, I don't know if he will or not. Now, anytime you say, I don't know if he will, it means I'm not believing that he will. I'm consenting to the truth of the scripture that he can and that he has, that he's able. I'm not convinced 
that he'll do it for me for whatever reason. I'm not good enough. I don't study enough. I sinned last week. I'm not trying hard enough in my Christian life. They have a lot of reasons that while they dismiss themselves from being a recipient of God's healing power or any benefit of the word. But Jesus looked at these two blind men. I'm sure they were imperfect and had more flaws than you have. And he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And you know what he said to them? In that 29th verse, he says the same thing to us. According to your faith, be it unto you. If you were in one of those healing lines that I've seen in my life, and there was a famous healer praying for the sick, and they were all lined up, and they had seen in previous meetings people get healed as this man laid hands on them, most of the people that come in line to get him to lay hands on them believe that he has the faith for it. If he said to all of them as they came by, according to your faith, be it unto you, most of them would go home without being healed. Because let's face it, faith has never been drilled in us. Maybe since we've been in church and we've learned a few things, this has never been a pressing message. Do you believe that God will do this? Well, of course he could. No, that's not what I ask you. Do you believe he can? Well, then according to your faith, be it unto you in your life, with your money, with your children, with your future, with the physical things you're looking at right now in your life, emotional things you're going through, whatever it is you're facing, according to your faith, be it unto you. Well, I'm praying about this and I'm praying about Praying is good, but praying doesn't mean you have faith. Praying means you've learned how to pray. When you have faith, you believe when you pray. And once you believe that you have it, you don't really have to keep praying about it, do you? If I ask you for something and you told me yes, do I have to ask you again? Keaton, if I said, yes, I'll give you this or that, four-wheeler, you can get that grin off your face because you're not getting it, but if I... <laughs> You said, can I have that four-wheel? I say, yes, you can have it. Now, do you have to keep asking me for it? Why? Because I gave it to you. How do you know I gave it to you? Because I said so. Now, what do I have to think if you keep asking me for it? You don't believe me, do you? Well, I wonder what Jesus thinks. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And so we keep on struggling and asking for the same thing over and over and over. Do we really believe when we pray that he will do for us what he said he would do. See, there's no power in asking. I do not confess there's any power in lengthy prayer. You may feel better about the time you spent on it and the agony you went through, but if you didn't mix faith with that prayer, it was a waste of time. You got to believe. You must believe. So he said be it unto you according to your faith. And you know what happened? They were healed because they had faith. Now, in Mark chapter 5, go over to Mark chapter 5, and, and I'll briefly do this. There's two stories in Mark chapter 5 or two events. One is Jairus's daughter, and the ruler of the temple came to him. This is verse 22 through 43. The ruler of the temple came to Jesus, and he said, My little girl is at the point of death. She's dying. And Jesus said, I will come and heal her. There's no question whether he could or not. He detected something in this man, I believe. 
that man came and outright in the end of a crowd and said, sir, my daughter. And he said, all right, I'll come and heal her. He didn't ask any more questions. And while he was on his way to heal this little girl who was desperately sick, we don't know what it was. There was a crowd of people following him, and, you know, why not? I mean, they had never seen anybody like this before. There had never been anybody in history and in their lifetime who was like Jesus. I mean, he didn't cater to the fat cats in the synagogues. He was a man like them, meek and lowly and so forth, and he healed every manner of sickness. There was nothing that could not be healed by him, from mental problems, any physical problem, everything. Even the dead could be raised. Well, of course the crowd followed him. There's no telling what he'll do next. And while they're following him, he stops. And he said, who touched me? Somebody touched me. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, Power went out of me, virtue, power went out of me, energy. They said, we're all touching you. I mean, we're thronged around you and everybody touched you. And he said, no, faith touched me. Now, these are my words. He said, faith touched me. Somebody in this crowd of people wasn't here to watch the show. Somebody came with purpose. They came because their faith could be released, not because he was way over there and like the centurion could. This person needed a point of contact. It was a lady, had an issue of blood. I cannot imagine how terrible her life must have been. You know, issue of blood, you're unclean, even by law. All these years, she came to him and he said in verse 30, who touched my clothes? All she did was touch him. She didn't have to grab anything, hold on to it. She simply had to touch his garment, just touched him. Because for her, if I can but touch his garment, I'll be healed. He doesn't need to know who I am, look at me, pray for me, speak to me, if I can just touch his garment. That's all I got to do. See, Jesus will meet your faith wherever it is. She didn't need him to talk to her. She just needed to touch him. That other man had to go to Jesus and say, well, you could come to my house. I can't just believe if I ask you here to heal her like that centurion will, but I want you to come to my house. He said, all right. If that's where your faith is, that's where he'll meet you. If you're just touching his garment is all you need, it'll work. It'll work. Because he said in verse 34, the woman, verse 33, said, I'm the one that did it, and she bowed before him and told him all the truth. And Jesus said unto her daughter, thy faith hath what? Made thee whole. Your faith has effected a healing and a cure in your body. Whatever your problem was before, whatever damage might have been done through all these years by that problem, Whatever you have gone through, you are whole, W-H-O-L-E. Like a leper who was made whole, the fingers that were gone are now back. You are whole again. And he said, daughter, you got to like this. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be healed of thy plague. Wasn't that good? He said, your faith worked. It's not faith without Christ 
as a point of contact, but it's him, what he said to you, how you've been influenced, how you were affected by him from past observances and watching. It came down to this. All I've got to do is touch his garment. I don't need to write prayer lists. I don't need to get in line. I don't need to call somebody. I don't need to do all these things that feel like I'm earning it. I just need to touch his garment. I just need to touch his garment. I think God put that in here for people like us. I do. You don't have to go locate some healer, somebody you think has a lot of faith. Jesus is present. He's here. Just touch his garment. Yeah, well, this condition in my body is well pat. No, it ain't. There's not a soul in this room that has any condition in your body that is too far. That can't be fixed. Anyway, while he's doing that, somebody came and said, don't bother him anymore. Don't trouble the man anymore. Your little girl's dead. What do you say in verse 36? At the end of verse 36, there's a song that's been written about this. Only believe. You heard that song before? Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Here was a dead child. Not talking about somebody sick or bleeding. Not talking about somebody that has a plague. It did its thing. It took her life. She was dead. I can't imagine the grief that father was feeling. The sadness and sorrow that must have been in his heart. But Jesus said, only believe. What if he had pointed her back to the Old Testament days? Remember that woman that built a prophet, a little place up on the roof, and then asked her, what can I do for you? And she said, I don't have any needs. He said, you got to have something. And his friend said, she doesn't have any children. He said, you'll have a boy this time next year. She said, I know what, no, I didn't ask for that. But next year she had a boy. Well, one day the boy, years later, 12, 13 years old, was out in the field working, and he died. And they carried him up to that prophet's room and laid him in that bed. And that woman went to find that prophet. She took off after him. She saddled a donkey, her best donkey. She was out there on one of them dusty trails looking for that prophet. And whenever he saw her coming, that's that Shunammite woman, isn't it? Yeah. Go find out what's wrong with her. Go out there and talk to her. A lot of Old Testament prophets were not real talky. But they had talky assistants. And so he went out there to say, is everything all right with you? And she just passed him by and she said, it is well. It is well. You know why? Because she believed. Why would she say it is well with a dead child? They told us, Jairus here, your daughter is dead. Jesus heard it, and he said, only believe. Now, he says the same thing to everyone in this room. I don't care what you're going through, where you are, what your signal problem is tonight, what's looming down the road for any of you. Jesus said, only believe. That's as simple as I think you can get it. Only believe. But this is a simple but powerful message that God has given us anyway. And he said, I will come and heal her. No, he just said, only believe. Now, let me say this about faith. In its simplicity, in its ability to be easily understood and embraced. You have to find out for yourself before you go on this journey of faith, you got to know, first of all, what God has said. 
You can't dream up some idea and then demand that God do that. Our basis for coming to the Lord is on his terms. And he said to us, he said, the faith that we have comes by hearing. And here's the great verse. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. Where do you find that? Numbers 23, 19. That's right. God is not a man that he should lie, which means God has a lot to say, but he never lies to you or misleads you about anything he says. Man's interpretation is what's misleading, not what God said. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither is God the son of man that he should repent or take it back. But if he said it, whatever he said, that's what he'll do. If he has spoken something, that's what he will make good. Numbers 23, 19. That's the basis for faith. If God said it, God will do it. And you think of all the things you have heard in your life that God will do. The things that he has said, I am the Lord that heals you. And we ignore that for the most part. The church ignores that. When it comes down to healing, no, 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 I'm, I'm, no I ain't going that way. I'm, uh-uh, no, that's out. And therefore, we don't benefit from that. He said he would, didn't he? He said nothing's too hard for him, not even your case. Not even your situation, not even your circumstances. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. It's like the verse in Isaiah, chapter 55, that God said his word will not return void. But he said two things. His word will accomplish that which he pleases, and it will prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. He said in Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent his word to heal us. Now, either he did or he did not. And if he did, it's there to be done. Well, I've never received healing. Well, that's not God's fault. Listen to me. If it hasn't worked for you, it is not his fault. Well, you're condemning all of us. I would rather justify God. And say, God is altogether right and we're altogether wrong. If what he said hasn't worked for us, there's something wrong from our side. Because God is faithful to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, you don't have to turn to this, you know it. But he said, unto us was the gospel preached. He's quoting now, referencing the Old Testament times, what I just said, the writer of Hebrews says, unto us was the good news preached, as well as unto those folks. But he said, look how many of them didn't get healed back there. Look how many of them it didn't work for. He said this, but the word they heard did not profit them. Let me ask you a question concerning the power of the word. Is the word of God designed to profit us? Is the word of God to have some kind of an effect upon us? Something should happen when the word of God takes precedence or presence in our life. Something should happen. You get saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If God said that, God does that. 
The question is, who will call upon the name of the Lord? And if they do call, do they call in faith? Do they really believe it'll work? Because anybody can holler at God, but not everybody believes. He holds us to that. But he said, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But he said, the word they heard did not profit them because they did not mix faith with it. So memorizing the Bible, <clears throat> quoting the Bible, singing about the Bible does not mean it'll work. It doesn't work because you memorize it. It doesn't work because you can quote it. It doesn't work because you preach about it. It works when you believe it. And that's a simple taking God at his word. If God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. Now, in its simplicity, the word of faith is very simple simplicity. Faith that comes by hearing starts out like this. It is, first of all, passive. What do you mean by passive? Well, passive means it's inactive. You see, faith comes how? By hearing. But just because you've heard it doesn't mean you believe it. But you've got to hear it in order to believe it. So, first of all, when God approaches me, because I didn't come to him, he came to me as a Christian. And stirred me up about things or something he said. I'd never been stirred up about it before. Why now? Because I'm his. He's invested his life in me. He said he's going to keep me, secure me, and finish the work that he starts in me. So this is the work he's doing to give me some information, information that affects my thinking. So I begin to listen to what he's saying. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And, and so my mind says, because my mind was trained by the world to think like this, well, how could that be? How could you do that? I mean, how are we ever going to have anything without borrowing it from the banks at a, at a really clever, good loan? How can we ever have anything? You can't function like that down here. Did we teach on the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God not too long ago? Okay, anyway, i just throw that at you. So you're reasoning, you're wrestling in your mind with things that God says. This is the beginning of faith. It's on your mind. It's in your heart. You're responding by thinking to what God has said. You heard what the preachers say. You've read what you read. And your mind is thinking. How can that be? And then the work of God. Something that God does. It says, because he said it. And ding. It's like a light came on. Like the man digging how deep till you dig? You dig until you dink. And a dink is the sound a shovel makes when it hits a rock. Because you know you're after something. It hasn't come yet. You're not satisfied with just partial something. I want to get this thing in my heart. I want my heart to wrap itself around this. And I want to be persuaded. And somehow you hear it. You think it. It's supernatural. It's not a normal thing. You go, yes, God will do this. I don't need those two aspirins. I know it hurts and all that, but God said he sent his word and healed me. Now, if he did, then he did. And I meditate on that. I ponder that and ding. In my heart, there's a persuasion. Whew, so be it. 
God is faithful to his word. He watches over his word. And you get what the Bible calls being persuaded or being convinced or having confidence in or being assured that this is something that God is going to do. And this is something he does in your heart. For the scripture will tell us that we believe with our hearts. Our mind fights God and it will until it's renewed. But our heart, which is made new, is open and clean. And God's word hides that word in your heart and it's down there ready to go. But your mind is trying to reason you out of it. And you got this war going on. But God breaks through and it ding. You go, you know what? This is going to work. This is going to work. I can do this. And you become convinced. People say, oh, I'd be careful about that. No, I've thought this through. I am careful. Let me say this about something, about faith. Passivity can lead to either a positive result, which is, I believe God. I believe God. You know what? I haven't seen it work yet. I haven't felt it yet. I haven't experienced any sense relationship with God yet, but I know he'll do it. Or you think about the wrong things and you get negative results. You see, faith is always, always in its simplest, purest form. Faith is an act of your will. It's a choice you make. You can choose to believe you're sick. You can choose to believe you're going to get sick. You can choose to believe you don't know what to do. You can choose to believe it'll probably never will work for me. You can choose all the negative things your mind thinks about you want to. That's the way you were trained by the world to think. That's what God brought you out of when he brought you to himself. Everything in you is opposing God. Your heart is deceitful. It's misleading you. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, he said, your heart is desperately wicked. He said, who can know it? Because you're here and then you're, and you're this way and that way until God settles you down and that word drops in your heart. Until he does, you become an opposition to the word or you become a rebel. I don't know about that. You know why you don't know about that? Because that's the way you think. That's what's on your mind. That's what's in your heart. You know why you draw back? Well, you know, I, this is over my, I can't do this. this is, I know God said all that, but... That's because that's the way you think. You see, you only know what's in a man's heart when a man opens his mouth. When a person opens their mouth and begins to speak, then you know what occupies their heart. Your heart will either reveal that you're a believer and a fool to the world, or your heart will betray you. Yeah, well, I know God could, but, you, you know, you never know. And I, I mean, this looks bad. That child's been this or that's going through, and she, my wife or ex-wife or children or whatever, drugs and money, whatever it is, name one. We can never have a nice new building here because we don't have a bank to go to to borrow $500,000 until you go to the Word. And God said he will supply all of what? And he didn't say through a bank. He said he would supply all your needs. And he said, ask what you will, and it shall be done. Well, you can't ask him for a building. Who said you couldn't? Who put that negative thought in your mind? You learned that in the world, the educational system, the way you were raised. You were normal. And now God gives you a whole new way to live.
a whole new system of thinking. And it's not easy to go from thinking like everybody else who accepts you because you think that way, talking about your sicknesses and your diseases and he's a crook and he's a criminal, I'll lock him up. All this negative talk. You come to the Lord and you begin to realize God gave you none of that to say. That's what's in your heart. You got to learn to set a watch before your mouth because your words will snare you because somebody's listening to what we're saying. God is. God is. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They could have said, well, you, I've seen you do it before. That's not what I asked you. Do you believe I am able to do this? Well, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. surely that's not what I ask you. Okay, yes, you're able to do this. Do you believe I'll do it for you? Come on, I need a word. Come on, let me, tell me what's in your heart. Do you believe I will do this for you? Come on. Will I or not? It's hard to say it, isn't it? Because that's where we stop. If we think about negative things, see, my will, my will is that part of me that makes choices. That's all it is. It has no mind of its own. It's simply under the direction of my soulish part of me. And if something is not reasonable or if it's not acceptable and it's kind of weird and strange and far out, my mind just forms this opinion. I can't see how that would ever work. So you say, no, I, I can't believe that. And then when God gets in there, though, and you get through all of that, you say, well, I believe that God will do what he said for me. You never said that before, but now you're saying it. And boy, oh, the devil pops up and he says, all right, get after him, get after her. Do whatever you can to disappoint them. And what did God say about that? No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man in God is what? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide. Because God is as interested in your faith as you are. Peter, the devil has desired you that he might sift you as sweet, but I have prayed for you, what? That your faith will not fail. Four times he said to his own disciples, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why do you reason? Why are you fearful? Why are you afraid? You shouldn't be like that. You've got all these things in your mind, the wind and, whoa, this is too big. And so you start thinking like it's too big. God's not bigger than that. And so the choice that we make, because faith is a choice. If God puts his word out there and he said, this is the way walk in it, this is what I will do, this is the choice I can make. Or I can say, well, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know about that. That's kind of far-fetched to me. And so you won't choose God, but you made a choice. And what you chose is what you believe. That's what you believe. Because your mouth justifies why you didn't do something God said. Because that's what you believe. That's where your faith is. That's why there is too many people in the church that are disappointed. It's just like, I should get what's coming to me because, and you start thinking of all the things you've done, the places you have been. I've been a lot of places myself. But it's never been on the basis of being busy. Otherwise, there are people that can't be busy, and they never will be able to believe. But it's always a matter of the human heart. This is where you put your word. 
this is what rules your life. This is the way it works. Jesus said that. Out of the abundance of the heart, he said, the mouth speaks. So faith begins in the thought realm. If it's positive thinking and you let God, let the Spirit of God form in you the image of what he promised till I can see it with my eyes, I can see me healed. I'm not talking about some occult visualization here. I'm saying until the word of God and what he's promised, I can see it in my own heart. Then that's what I'm going to believe for. God is my source. And, well, you know, I don't know about that. Then I'm going to say, I want to, but I'm having trouble with it. Folks, everybody in this room has had trouble with faith somewhere. All of us have. God has never quit on any of us in this room, and I don't think any of you have quit on God. It's just that this refining time, we're in the last days, preparation time. God's bringing us somewhere we hadn't been before, and he's going to do it his way. Because once it's passive, an act of your will. It's an act of your will, your volition. Everybody's got one. Everybody uses it. Every time you do something, it's a choice you make. Every time. Everything you do is a choice. Nobody makes you sin. You sin is a choice. You love is a choice. You believe is a choice. You hate is a choice. You fight is a choice. You backbite is a choice. You're a tailbearer by choice. You choose. But when you have faith... For you, there's only one right thing to do. That's what God said, to be doers of the word and what? And not hearers only. To be doers of the word. And you have a whole Hebrews 11. Turn to Hebrews 11. You have Hebrews 11, which is full of what God wants from us in our faith. Things that please him, the way he wants us to do. Let me just point out two or three things. Take Abraham in verse 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When he was called to go out in a place which he should receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and went out not knowing where he was going. Well, how many people would consider that dumb? Look what you're leaving, man. You're leaving some territory your father's going to give you. You're used to the land. You know where everything is. You know how to function here and operate here. I mean, why would you suddenly go because somebody, you're saying God did, somebody just told you to go? Abraham, it doesn't make sense. Our parents might have said the same thing to a child. It doesn't make sense. It's just crazy what you're believing. God put hospitals in the world to heal us. And I say, if you can give me a whisper of a verse that that's true, I'll believe it. I would much rather base my faith on what God said than human reasoning or what my parents said. Abraham, go. Follow me. He dropped and he went. And you know what? When he said to Sarah about his child, look at verse 11. Through faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. Let me ask you all a question. Did Sarah need to have faith to be what she was and do what happened? Or did God bypass her requirement to trust him and just did it anyway? Well, he said by faith, so she had to have it. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive, 
and was delivered of a child when she was past age because, what did she because? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Did she have in her heart the realization, the certainty that if God said it, he'll do it? To a woman as old as she was, she still looked good. Or a king had bad eyes passing through that country, one of the two, because he thought she was a lovely young lady. And Abraham knew she was past childbearing age. In this day of reason, this day of overinflated intellectual prowess in this world, in this day of age of overrated opinions, she simply said, you know, God told me that I'm going to have a baby. None of this computes. None of it makes sense. None of it is verifiable. Nothing like this has ever been done before or since. But with regard and with respect to God who spoke it, who cannot lie, I take you at your word and I confess I'm going to mother my own child. I'm going to be a mother. Speaking of Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. And he said, of whom it was said, in Isaac thy seed shall be called. And he took him out there to sacrifice him because he said, if I kill this boy, God's going to have to raise him from the dead because he specifically said, this child is going to bear your seed as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. Therefore, if he dies now, that can't be. But if I have to kill him now, then God will have to raise him from the dead. And that's what he believed. Abraham's called the father of the faith. Let me tell you something. As I read through this today, there's nothing in Hebrews 11 that was easy. There was nothing in there easy. Everything in there was over our head. Everything. Everything that they're complimented for doing was over our head. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. I mean, it's just way over our head. The Red Sea in verse 29. By faith, they went through the Red Sea. They believed. Maybe in a moment, in just an instant there, there was no doubt about it. We're going to make it through this. When they stepped out in there where the waters were heaped up, chances are you don't want to not believe now. You'd be one of them bones they find in a rock somewhere. They'd be trying to figure out how old it is if, if those waters close up. Look at verse 30. Wow. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and the Bible says, flat, after they were walked around seven days. Listen, God left us that to read. It's not entertaining literature. It's actual truths of what common, ordinary people like you and I did with regard to what God said. If God said it, while a lot of folks say, well, I, you know, I ain't question whether or not you do it, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to launch out there and act like it'll work for me because I don't know if it will or not. But there were people here that didn't talk like that. They were the ones that people talk about. They believe in God. Jericho? Huh. She's what? How old? Abraham's going to be a what? The Red Sea, they did what? None of it was easy. The entire 11th chapter of Hebrew, let me say it again, is over our head. 
Now, if you had been there, it would have worked. But to read this and take that lightly, you can't do it because if you try to project yourself or the faith that you say you have in these verses, what would I have done? That would have been tough. I think when Jehoshaphat went out dancing before an army with no weapons, I think he was counting on God to do what he said in a prophecy, not a word. There was a lot of faith in the Old Testament, a lot of it. And yet he also said the word they heard didn't profit a lot of them because they didn't mix faith with it. Faith is a big deal. The Bible says we live by faith, we walk by faith, the prayer is only acceptable when it's by faith, we're justified by faith, we'll be raised from the dead by faith, all the gifts are by faith, the fruit's by faith, everything's by faith. We've got to believe in something that hasn't happened yet and accept it as true and then be willing to step out there and act like it's true because everybody in Hebrews 11 did something. They not only had a belief in something, but they also did something. And I would say that they did it from their hearts. They did it from their heart. Matthew 12, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Remember this verse. You know this one. Out of the abundance of the heart. What does it say? Listen to me again. I've said it again, but I'm going to keep saying it because I, I found me a something here, a little something I want to hold on to. If faith is a matter of the heart, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. If faith is a matter of the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, then true faith will always say what God says. In other words, when you have faith in your heart, God says one thing, your heart says the same thing. You both agree. Then what will come out of your mouth will confirm the presence of God's word in your heart. And you'll believe it. Now, I do believe you can just quote the Bible because you learn how to quote it. But again, there's one thing about quoting the Bible. There's something else about acting like it's true. You do both. You act like it's true. You talk like it's true. We're out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. Now, I do want you to turn to Romans 10. Romans 10. You've gone to Matthew 12, 34, and I'll go to Romans 10 and verse 8. This is one of those verses that, of course, you start with. This is early on. Romans chapter 10. Let me go to verse 6. But the righteousness, which is of faith, talks like this. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from heaven or from above, or who shall ascend into the deep? That's, you know, where it says he went in uh, Ephesians 4. That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? What does it say? Verse 8. The word is where? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth. And where else? In thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made into salvation and with the heart man believes and so forth. It's that simple. Upon examination of myself about what I want to believe, what I'm trying to believe, what I ought to believe, what's before me to believe for, the question is, can I believe it? 
A lady in the prayer line years ago, Brother Hamilton agreed with me that Oral Roberts will open up a new university here in Indianapolis. I was up there. Well, normally you just go, okay, in Jesus' name, Oral Roberts. I don't believe that. See, what I want to believe and what I can believe are two different things. I can only believe what's in my heart. You can teach me all the lofty things there is, and I can say all of that, and I can say, oh, I believe all of that. Probably you don't. But what you do believe, you won't relinquish. It'll be in there like a bulldog. It won't let go. You won't have to say, well, where are we going to get Jesus to come down? How are we going to get Jesus in here? How are we going to get some healer here? Listen, the word, after all these years in this church, let's do it, the word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. It's the word of faith which we preach. That's what he says. And that word, like in the book of Romans, God calls those things that be not as though they are. He says you're justified. He says you're glorified, are you? You don't look like it to me. You're sitting there. But God's already said what's going to be, and it's going to be what he said. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. How simple is it for me to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I have a need, I have a this or that, or a problem. I got a problem with my wife. Or my wife says, I've got a problem in my home. And is there a solution to anything? Are there solutions for anybody in this room? Is there any solution in the Bible for any need anybody has? Yeah. It's in the Word. But it won't work because you heard me say that. You've got to find out. It's personal. What's it say? You're having a problem believing it, aren't you? Hang in there. Get yourself alone. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. Cross-reference it until your mind is Word of God-minded. Until you're thinking Bible. Until all the arguments pale before the light of this Word of God. And then you begin to say, you know what? God's going to do this. God is going to do this. God's going to heal my child. God is going to supply my needs. Even a new car. I claimed one of them once. Afraid that people think, well, now we're into cars. Now the car, everybody get a car. That's not the reason I said it. I said it because it was in my heart. It wasn't in theirs. It was in mine. That God will take care. He'll supply my needs. And he did. And people came out when I got it. at the Christian church. Parked that big Green Ford in the parking lot out there. 1973, brand new. Didn't have any miles on it. Smelled like a new car. Everybody came up and went, Is this yours? I said, Yeah. He said, Where did you get it? Who gave it to you? How could this be? Didn't the God that do stuff like that? <laughs> I'm being ugly right now. And I didn't say, Hey, that's my car. Don't touch it. I didn't say that. All I'm saying is that God will bless you even when people think you're a little bit distorted. But when it works, when God raises you up off of that bed of affliction, restores an eye or a limb or a, or a leg or a, a heart, and puts it all back together as though it never happened whole. Then everybody goes, how did you do this? And you can say, I didn't do it. God did it. 
See, he only told me to believe. Only believe. And I only believed. I wrestled. I fought. There was a whole lot to this. I took a lot of notes. I did a lot of talking. I studied a lot. But it came because faith does come. It comes not on a church night. It usually comes during the week when you're wrestling and you're fighting and you're struggling and you're overcoming and you're going back and forth with God. And then it comes. That light, ding, that little light comes on and you say, this little light of mine, hallelujah, I'm going to let it shine. The word is near you tonight. The word that is near you is in your heart. It's in your mouth, too, if you put it there. But make sure what comes out of your mouth confirms, confirms what God has said. Let me say it again. Make sure that what comes out of your mouth confirms what God has said. Because if it's something else, you're not on believing ground. Nobody doubts and questions your sincerity, your character, your nice guy, nice girl. But if you want faith, you're going to have to speak that which God gives you to speak. But it didn't do you any good to speak it if you don't have it in your heart first. And it'll never get in your heart until you set yourself aside and God puts it in there. And when it does, you begin walking by faith and not, not by, is that what it says? Because here's the way it ends. Here's the way it ends. One of the hardest verses in the Bible. And I think I'm going to close with this. I got another hour to go, but I'm going to close with this. What God wants us to have and wants us to know is, if you lack, ask. Doesn't he say that? If any man lack, ask of God. If anybody in this room, in Shavuot Christian Assembly, from this side to this side, if any of you tonight are lacking, if you're coming up short, if it's less than it ought to be, if any among you lack, ask of God, who gives how? Liberally. And he upbraideth not. He doesn't put you down for asking. But he said one condition. You got to ask in faith. You got to believe. Lord, I've cussed and smoked my whole life, you might say. Don't look at me. I cussed. I didn't smoke so much. But I've been a bad man a long time, Lord. Every now and then, it just pops out again. Does that mean I'm vile? That means you got some vile stuff in you. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just start taking more time alone with the Lord. Let God deal with you. Let him sift you a little bit. Stay before the Lord. And watch him put some strength in your life. Lord, in Jesus' name, I claim, you might say, I claim power to overcome this. Can you do that? Can you claim power to overcome this? Can a young woman claim cooking abilities? <clears throat> I hope so. Can a man, by a woman's faith, be dealt with until he becomes sensitive? Amen. <laughs> what is it that we can't ask for? What is it that can't be changed? What do we lack? Any of you, all of you, what do you lack? Ask of God who gives. But you've got to ask in faith. And it is so important that he said, if when you ask you don't believe, you won't get anything. 
God has a right to hold us to that. One more verse. Turn to Hebrews 10, the last two verses of Hebrews 10, because this is how serious it is. Verse 38, now the just shall live how? How do we get just? God made us just, didn't it? Word means right. God made us right. Now the just shall live how? By faith, which implies a way you live, doesn't it? Because the next part says, but if any man, what? So it's not just what you're thinking. It's not a label of what denomination you're a part of. It's a way of life. We who are made right with God are required to walk with God as though what he said is true. He said, but if we draw back, if we think it's too hard in our human wisdom and, and all of that stuff, we refrain or draw back or just don't do it. What does it say in verse 38? He said, my soul shall have what? That's hard. That's hard. It's hard because it demands, I've got to give God more of my mind and my time. This is my eternal life. I'm looking at eternity here. I don't want to go through life as a doubter, as a casual confessing believer, but not believing, spend my whole life in church trying to earn heaven, convinced I'm too good to go to hell and die like that. No. Oh, dear God. Help me to take this seriously as a life. There is no other way. But you said it would not be too hard. You said it's with difficulty that the righteous man is saved, but you didn't say he couldn't make it. God, in the name of Jesus, I release my faith. I ask in the name of Jesus that all the things I need to be enlightened, inspired, and certain about this so that I never look back and turn back, I ask you to do that for me. Can we pray like that? It should change your life. But if we do draw back, what's the last verse say? If a man draws back, he doesn't become a private all over. He draws back to destruction. It costs God a lot to bring you in here. It costs a man a whole day of dying. A death that we can't relate to. Just the pain in his feet. I thought, it's strange what you think of, isn't it? I thought of how many times in my days of playing basketball, how many sprained ankles I had. That's one of the worst pains I think there is, is sprained ankle, next to a lung operation. But, but sprained ankles, and at times you stub your toe or somebody steps on your arch and, and the paint. But think of somebody driving a spike through both of them. And when they lift that cross up, your weight falls on that spike. For hours just to get you and me in this room. Boy, I think who I was thinking, I just thought of it today. Why would we ever complain? No matter how hard it seems to be or how difficult, how could we ever quit? How could we ever quit? Jesus deserves the very best I can give him. And I back off too much, way too much. Take too much for granted. And I had a phone call before I came here tonight from an old school up in another state. I hadn't heard from him in 20-some years. And he gave me his testimony about his daughter and a brain concussion and God and a fractured skull and God healed her and, and all of this. And I said, man, that's old school. 
I said, you don't hear much of that. They said, no, you don't hear hardly ever hear that today. That was refreshing. Amen. Bow your head with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that justice has been done to your word tonight, that we haven't cut it short, left anything out, added anything to it. I would ask that by the power of your spirit that if anything tonight was said that wasn't right, you'd strike it from our minds. Let only the pure word find a lodging place in our hearts and in our minds. I ask in Jesus' name that everybody here would begin to realize the potential that is in them, the latent power resident in their hearts by virtue of Jesus being there. And the very faith that he gives, which glorifies him, is ours to do. I ask you to bless us, God, and shift our attention and our, our focus upon Jesus, to honor him, to serve him, and to trust him. And in these last days, Lord, we will observe your multiplied deliverances for our lives the restoration of needs in our bodies, in our homes, the salvation of difficult people, the making wrong things right just because we believed you. These are your people. They're the sheep of your pasture, O oh Lord. They're not mine, they're yours. And I ask in Jesus' name for your blessing, this special blessing, that faith would come in every heart and begin to grow and never stop until Jesus comes. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.